Good morning, everyone. How we doing? Yeah? Hey, if you're in love with Jesus this morning, let me hear you go whoop, whoop. There we go. Hey, everybody watching online, thank you again for tuning in and being with us. If you would, do us a huge favor. Hit that like button, hit that share button, and help us get this message out here to reach as many people as possible. Welcome to another schizophrenic weather day in the South. Man, you have to dress like winter this morning and before the afternoons here. We're going to be in shorts and t-shirts. Um, I hear that today is the first official day of spring. I love that. I love that. Uh, the morning would tell you otherwise, but we're getting there. It's crazy. We had the heat on in the building this morning, and then we had to cut the air conditioners on before service so that we wouldn't be uh, burning up, which would actually be pretty good, though, if I was talking about hell. We could just kick the heat up to about 85 today and then just start sweating everybody out. Now, I'm so glad that you're here today, though. We had an awesome men's breakfast yesterday here at the church. It was amazing. If you're walking through and you're noticing that there's a different kind of smell in the building, it's called bacon. It's called bacon. We cooked so much bacon yesterday. I, we were in the, the next-gen room, and uh, that's where we were having the breakfast. That's where we were cooking everything. And at one point, I, was, I went out to put some wood on the fire because we had a fire in the fire pit out there. Guys were just drinking coffee around the fire and hanging out yesterday. I walked back into the next-gen room because we opened up the garage door. It was, just, it was awesome. I walked in, and the place was smoked out, man. They were cooking bacon. It looked like a Willie Nelson concert is what it looked like. Just smoke everywhere. It's like, what is going on here? I had to double-check Larry and make sure that he hadn't backslid and started, like... Talked a bunch of people into smoking out the place. That, but we had, uh, we had a great time yesterday, great breakfast, and talked about a lot of good stuff coming up with them. And so ladies, so glad that you get Women of Valor on Monday nights. Man, we had a great time yesterday. Looking forward to the camping trip at the end of April for the men. It's going to be a great time. Um, we're in another week of our series called Reach reaching our community, reaching our world, and reaching those in our sphere of influence for Jesus. How many of you know that that's important? Yeah. yeah. Um, Jesus hasn't called us just to have church on Sunday and have fun. There's a bigger mission at foot, and while coming together and corporately worshiping the Lord and hearing the word and gathering together as his army is important, we're also supposed to be his army outside the walls of this church telling people about the Jesus that's radically changed our lives. Amen? So a big part of what we do, though, is not just that, but as a church, we like to partner with incredible ministries in our community because I believe, listen, churches should not be individual islands unto themselves. We are all part of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so a church moving forward is, is one thing. I would rather see the kingdom of God advance as one in unity. And so we think it's important for us to not just try to do things on our own, but to learn from others and also partner with other ministries in the community that are doing a phenomenal job. And we want to come alongside that and, and make that happen. And uh, a big focus for us as a church is coming alongside our friends at the Pregnancy Resource Center and helping them continue to minister to women and reach people for Jesus. And we have a guest here with us today 
who's going to tell us a little bit more about the PRC Medical, the Pregnancy Resource Center, what they do, what they're all about, how you can get involved, and talk about the banquet that's coming up at the end of this month and how we can partner with them to reach Jesus through what they do. Amen? So if you would, let's give a big Eastgate Church welcome and show some love for my friend, Mr. Stan Reese, as he comes up to share with us this morning. Stan, love you guys. Appreciate you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Can you guys hear me okay? Fantastic. Well, thank you for letting me be here to worship with you this morning. And also tell you a little bit about PRC Medical and a little bit about what the Lord has laid on my heart. But I just, I have to say, Jeremy and the praise band, uh, you know, Revelation talks about the saints' praise and worship going up before the throne of God, being gathered around the throne. And I can really sense that. I can feel that when I get to go speak at different churches and worship with different churches. This is not just something that's happening in heaven with the saints in heaven, but we're lifting up our praise before the throne. So praise God for you guys. What a way to start a, a day of worship. So thank you, Pastor Josh and Catherine. Thank you for your invitation to allow PRC Medical to talk a little bit about uh, just the great work that we're doing in the community. My name is Stan Reeves, and I'm on the board of directors at PRC. I've been on the board now for this, my third term on the board. And I just, um, I felt the Lord's call to be part of this ministry a little over three years ago. And um, I just think about that in contrast to Catherine, who's been volunteering at PRC for over 20 years. So let's give her a round of applause and thank you for your service. So uh, PRC Medical in Douglasville was a ministry that started, sorry, Siri's trying to open up here. Uh, PRC Medical started in 1985 and it was uh, started um, just in response to what happened in 1973 with the decision of Roe versus Wade. And one of the things that God has put on my heart is just how Roe versus Wade not only allowed the legalization of abortion, but it became to destroy the man's role in uh, unplanned pregnancies, unexpected pregnancies, but it also has had an effect on the family. So I wanted to just talk about that for a little bit this morning, but also about the ministry at PRC Medical. Established in 1985, over the last 36 years, I've helped to save over 14,000 babies. That's just here in Douglas County. Uh, you know, through the last 14 years, there's been a lot of things that PRC has done, you know, from... Uh, pre-abortion counseling to just basically helping women through a time in their lives when they just are not really thinking about, you know, the baby that's inside the womb. You know, that, that's the result of what's going on. They're really in this spiral. They're just in this state of chaos where they don't really know what the future's going to hold. None of us know what the future holds. But we know that God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God of chaos. He is a God that wants us to have life and have it abundantly. 
So when people ask me, am I pro-life? I usually uh, now tell them, no, I'm not pro-life. And they're like, well, you're a Christian, aren't you? I'm like, no, I'm pro-abundant life. And the reason I say pro-abundant life is I just learned recently at a a men's pro-life conference, there's two words that are used in the Bible that speak to life. There's two Greek words. And one is uh, bios, where we get the word biology. And the other one is zoe. This word bios, where we get biology, is used about 11 times in the New Testament. But this word zoe is used over 134 times in the New Testament. And Zoe speaks to the kind of life that we get through Christ, this abundant life. And when women are experiencing, you know, an unplanned pregnancy and they're being told by people around them that this is just a penalty, you know, this is just God punishing you for what you did, you know, that's totally wrong. And sometimes they're hearing that from inside the church as well. And that's just not acceptable. As people of faith, we know that children are a gift from God. No matter how God packages and delivers that gift to us, children are a gift from God. So in the church, I think we have to reprogram our brain and partner alongside pregnancy resource centers who are helping women where they're at with the life, the bios that's inside the womb, that life. But what happens after this woman decides, I'm going to carry this child to term. They've seen the ultrasound that we do at PRC Medical. But then let's say two years down the road after this child is born, it would seem nonsensical for this woman to come back to the PRC, right? So we need in our community to partner with the PRC in our churches. And Pastor Josh, I appreciate you guys doing that. Catherine, I appreciate what you're doing because we need to come alongside these women and these families because... The family, if you think about it, in the book of Genesis was established before the church was. So the family is a high ideal that we need to get back to. So just a couple of statistics before I close, and, uh, and I will close because we need to get on with Pastor Josh's message. But, you know, as I think about the church and the women, there's been a statistic that uh, CareNet did a study. And in the study that CareNet did, they found that 40% of the women that have an abortion are in church. They are attending church on a monthly basis. So if we take 40% of women and we multiply that times, let's say, a million, a conservative estimate is a million abortions are done annually in the United States alone. And let's just say that abortions are an average of $500 a piece. The church, women in the church, are committing over $200 million a year alone to the abortion industry. This is not a PRC problem. This is a problem of discipleship. If there's church women that are scared to come before the leadership of the church 
and admit. And let me just read you a verse of Scripture. I read the Spurgeon devotional every day. And in the book of James, James 5, uh, verse 18 says, Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, in that respect, availeth much. So that's what we need to get back to, church. In order to just stop this flow of women coming out of our church into abortion clinics, we need to love on the women. We don't need to be critical of the women. We need to try to just gather around and have that child that's going to be a product of, you know, what happened, maybe out of wedlock or some other situation. Instead of being critical of that, we need to be loving and we need to embrace. That's what the ladies at PRC Medical are doing on a daily basis. They've laid aside their lives. They've laid aside the problems that they bring with them to work each day, and they just gather around these women and love on these women. So in the three years I've been involved with PRC, I have just seen that, and I have just been changed by that. So we need grace, we need mercy, and we need love in the church. We say we have those, but do we really have them? So if your response when somebody asks you if you're pro-life and you say yes, why don't you just say, you know what, I used to be pro-life, but now I'm pro-abundant life because Jesus came to give life and give it more abundantly. We know that the thief has come to kill, to steal, and destroy. So let's, let's just know, church, it says the gates of hell will not prevail. God's word says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So let's just move forward as the church. Continue to gather around PRC Medical. Just be here and invite your friends. Invite somebody that you know on the 31st to be here. COVID has just had a really bad impact on the church it's had a big impact on everything but one of the good things instead of us just having our banquet at church at chapel hill now we're able to do it here and at my home church ephesus so i just pray don't only come yourself bring somebody with you when you come pastor josh thank you so much brother just greatly appreciate you allowing me to be here this morning speak on behalf of prc medical and the unborn and god bless you and thank you That was amazing. We love our friends at the PRC. We love our friends at the PRC. So just as a reminder, uh, this fundraiser banquet is coming up on the 31st of this month. Uh, It's a Thursday evening, I believe, if I've got my days right. So we'll be hosting. We'll be one of the host sites here so Eastgate Church, let me encourage you as your pastor, let's show up in force that night and let's support our local pregnancy resource center. Amen? Amen. 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 Can we do that? Yeah. All right, let's do that. Love what they're doing. Well, one of the things I love about the pregnancy resource center is that they are meeting a very real need in our community. A very real need in our community. And I think that's actually really good 
because they're serving the women and they're serving the families in our community by meeting by meeting the needs and stepping in in a time of need in their lives. And I think that that fits in beautifully with what we're talking about in our church right now because servanthood, um, servanthood, it does something powerful. Servanthood, it, serving others, it, it creates a platform for the gospel. It creates a platform for the gospel. And what they're doing at PRC is they're meeting a need and serving others. But by serving them, they're creating a platform by which to share Jesus with them. And they are impacting the lives of thousands upon thousands of women every year. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Um, what happens at the Nichols Center? They meet a need in the community. And by doing that, they're able to bring some Jesus into the situation. So serving others creates a platform for the gospel. Creates a platform for the gospel. Not just in church, not just in ministries in the community, but in our lives, serving others creates a platform for the gospel. And I think Jesus knew what he was doing when he encouraged all of us to be servants, just like he was a servant. Because everything that Jesus taught, if you'll pay attention to it one way or another, it leads down to the delivery of the good news. Everything points back to him. So in serving others, we create a platform for the gospel. Go to the book of Mark chapter 10. I want to quickly run through some of this stuff with you today, talking about servanthood, talking about serving others, and how we can create a platform by doing that to deliver the gospel to a world that is in need. I don't know if you've been watching the news this week, but it looks a lot like the news last week, and the news the week before, and the news the week before that, you know. Our world is in trouble, and they're desperately trying to find solutions to all of these problems, and it's just Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid after Band-Aid, and they have not figured out that you can't repeat the same process and come out with a different outcome. Jesus is the only answer for what's going on in our world today. And it's our job as a church not just to meet on Sunday, but to get out there and reach others with the gospel of Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 41, read now the NIV version. It says, um, when the 10 heard about this, now I'll hit pause, um, there had been a move for power in the disciples. James and John had gone to Jesus and said, hey, man, um, when you come into your kingdom, uh, and you go to sit on the throne and all of that stuff. Well, can you grant us the ability to be able to sit up there with you so that we can be the big dogs and share in your authority and share in what's happening here? You know, and, and Jesus was kind of taken back because he had just finished telling them again that he was going to be killed, that he was going to be crucified. He was going to be tortured. Like, guys, they're going to, they're going to beat me so that you cannot recognize me as a man. They're going to open my back up with a cat of nine tails. They're going to drive spikes through my, my wrists and my feet, nail me to the cross, and then I'm going to die a, a horrible, painful death. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so after that happens, uh, can, we, can we sit with you on your throne? 
once, once you've gone through all of that. They, they, they were like they were oblivious to what Jesus was telling them he was fixing to have to go through. Have you ever had a, a buddy or a friend like that? Where you, you try to open up and tell them what you were going through in life and what you were walking through, and they were just like, yeah, 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 let me tell you about what I got going on. It's like, it's like what you said didn't even matter at all, and they were just waiting for you to stop talking so that they could start talking. So that's what's happening here. They make this power play, but then the rest of the disciples find out about it. And I love what the Bible says here. It says, when, when the ten heard about this, they became indignant. I bet they did. I bet they did. Indignant is a polite way. Can you imagine what that conversation was like? Y'all did what? What makes you think you're better than us? What, what is it? And, and so Jesus hears this commotion, and he calls them together. Again, I like how polite that is, because they've got this big argument going on. And I don't think Jesus just went, come to me, my disciples. Come to me. Come to me. Like, if it had happened in the South, he'd have been like, y'all be quiet. Okay? In my name, shut up, is what he would have said. Just be quiet, everybody. Um, he, he begins to break down a different approach, though, because the disciples, for all of the following that they did of Jesus and all the time they spent with him, they had just not figured things out yet. So Jesus called them together, and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. He says, listen, this world is about power and power plays and trying to get a step ahead. What you, just got, what you guys just did is exactly what they do. Exactly what they do. And he says, not so with you. Because guys, we cannot be about that. We can't be about making a name for ourselves. We can't be about grabbing power. We can't be about trying to position ourselves. We've got to be different in our approach. So not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Everybody say servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Everybody say slave. For even the son of man. I love this. He's like, listen, guys, we got to do this different. And then he points to himself and he says, listen, me, the son of God, I stepped down out of heaven where angels were singing my praise. I could call 10 legions of angels to defend me right now if I wanted to. I created everything that you're standing on and everything that you see, and I didn't come to be lifted up. I came to serve. Wow. Even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And what Jesus says here is mind-blowing. Like sometimes we read the statements of Jesus and just casually go over them, but we forget the culture that he was living in. We forget the day and time that he was walking the earth. A statement like this is unreal. He uses the words servant and slave. What you did not want to be at that day and age was a servant or slave. The day and age was a slave-driven society. It was a slave culture. In fact, in, in the Roman Empire then, there were more slaves than there were citizens. 
Think about that for a second. I mean, it, you could just have a bad stretch of life and become a slave. You could, you could lose your job and become a slave. You could lose a husband and you would become a slave. You, know, you, you could go through a, a hard stretch where money wasn't coming in like it should have been and your debt gets a little out of control and they could make you a slave until you paid that debt off plus interest. You could lose your citizenship just like that and become a slave. If you made the wrong person in authority angry, you could become a slave just like that. You did not want to be a slave. You did not want to be a servant. And here's why, because in, in that culture, in that time, listen, people did not have inherent value. You were not valuable because you had life. You had economic value, but you did not have personal value. Because everybody was potential property. Now, I'll just pause here and say for a second, listen, slavery was an issue in the Roman Empire when Jesus was walking the earth. Okay, it is not an American problem. It is a heart condition issue that has been around since the time of creation. And Jesus was dealing with this while he was walking the earth. And he was speaking, oh my gosh, and he was telling the disciples, hey, you, you need to become like a slave and a servant to each other and to the people around you. Blew their minds. Blew their minds because no one had really inherent value. All of the teaching of, of, of personal value, that you as a person um, was worth something outside of what you could produce in society just because you had breath in your lungs. This is, this is absolutely a Christian value that was introduced to the world by Jesus. The religious systems that existed at that time did not teach that the gods that these people worshipped, they, they didn't care about the people that worshipped them and the stories that they would tell. Um, they didn't care. Actually, the gods that they worshipped were incredibly selfish. You had to offer your kids to them. You had to, you had to, you, it, it was unreal. And, and the gods, would, they had no respect for the people that they worshiped, and they didn't care about individuals, and they didn't teach individuals to care about each other. What Jesus came into the world and introduced was totally radical and completely different because the world did not think like this. The world did not act like this. And Jesus was just pretty much spitting in the face of their culture and saying, it is not going to be like that. When Jesus came, he started teaching stuff like God is love. They had never known a God that was loving. Jesus was introducing ideas like this, not that God was just love, but that God loves everyone. That he loves everyone. That he loved everyone so much that he sent, his, he sent Jesus to die for us out of that motivation of love so that we didn't have to be separated from him any longer so that we could have a restoration of that relationship like Adam used to have with him when he could walk in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day and just hang out with him. Everyone, everyone 
is loved by God. And then he went further and he would say that everyone mattered to God. Everyone mattered to God. Everyone matters because God loves you and God created you. And if he created you and he loves you for no other reason than that, you matter. You have value. Spit into the face of all the culture of the day. And then Jesus turns around and he says, listen, because these people matter, because I love them, I came to serve them, to draw them into a restored relationship with me. And this is what I'm asking you to do too, to serve one another, to serve the people around you, to put the love that you say you have in your heart for me into action by loving others the same way that I did and serving them. Man, man, oh man, oh man. Such, such a stark contradiction to what was happening in the culture then, and I'll be honest with you, it's a stark contradiction to what's happening in the culture today. To find somebody that sincerely wants to operate in servanthood out of a motivation of love is a rare thing. It still separates us. It still separates us. When we serve people, it still creates a platform for us to give people the gospel because we're acting in a way that is counterculture to the world that we're living in. Well, I'm just cutting your grass today. Why? Just wanted to serve you. How much do you want? Nothing. I just saw it was growing. I just wanted to serve you. What? Why would you want to do that? Because I love Jesus. And in the Bible, Jesus says, hey, if you love me, then be like me and serve others and show them the same love that I showed you. Serve them the same way that I served you. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Oh my gosh, well, thank you. I appreciate it, but it's not about thanking me. I just want to let you know that God loves you. Jesus died for you, and I'm always here if you need prayer for something. Servanthood creates a platform to share the gospel. And there's a lot of other stuff that servanthood does too because it's, it's practical. It's practical in our walk with God. It doesn't just give us an opportunity to share Jesus with people, but it also acts as a safeguard to our walk with God too because servanthood keeps selfishness in check. Servanthood will keep selfishness in check. Jesus knew, hey, listen, if I don't give you guys something practical to do to keep you on course, you're going to get off course. I created you. I watched you fall in the garden. I've seen you live on this earth. I know how jacked up you people can be. So I'm going to put some guardrails on this bowling alley to make sure that you guys keep the ball in the lane is what he's, what he's doing here. He says, listen, I want you to serve because you cannot have a true servant's heart and operate in selfishness. And, and what's beautiful is that as we serve others, it just snowballs and fuels the love of God inside of us and causes us to want to do it again and again and again when we see the impact of servanthood in people's lives. And it protects us from selfishness in our lives. He says, if I don't give you something active to do, to put this into practice, I know that if you become selfish, <laughs> you're just going to become what's natural to you. 
your natural tendency is to drift back to a, a selfish state. Every church naturally will become inwardly focused if we do not deliberately have things in place to make sure that we stay outwardly focused. And I'm telling you here at this church, we're going to be focused on what matters the most. Amen? We're going to reach this world for Jesus. Um, servanthood acts as a, as, a, as a guardrail. It keeps selfishness in check. Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Everybody say nothing. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. When's the last time you had a week where you stopped to make sure that nothing you did was motivated out of selfishness? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Here he goes again. Value others above yourself. Become a slave. Become a servant. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of of others. These guys don't be selfish. Don't look to yourselves all the time. In fact, look to others before you look to yourselves. It's the true heart of a servant that I am more vested in your well-being than my own. That my love for God creates a love for you that motivates me to make sure that you're okay and not just be self-absorbed in what's happening in my life. And we talked a couple of weeks ago about how when you love like God loves, you will see like God sees. When you're loving like God loves, that, that selfishness is not in your heart. But seeing the needs of others is absolutely in front of you all the time. Uh, another thing that, that servanthood does is servanthood requires a change in mindset. It requires a change in mindset because you have to train yourself to think differently and see people in a different light when you're acting and operating out of a servant's heart. It doesn't come natural. It doesn't come natural. It requires a change and what we focus on, 1 John chapter 3, and verse 16, says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. I love that, and given a definition of what love is, John doesn't, like, break down a word study or give us definitions, you know, which would be a good thing to do. He points us to Jesus as an example. If you want to know what love is, look at what Jesus did. Look at how he laid down his life for us. And he's not just talking about how Jesus gave his life on the cross for our sins. He's talking about the entirety of Jesus' life and how he literally laid it down for us as a servant. Putting us before himself his whole life. If you want to know what real love is, it's how Jesus Put us first. It's how Jesus laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? That's a legitimate question. 
that if you're living your life day by day and you see people, there are people in need all around you, but it doesn't come up on your radar and you have no pity on them and you do nothing in response to what you're seeing, how can the love of God be in you? Now, a religious way to approach this would be for me to say, hey, y'all, listen, listen. If you're not helping people, you don't love Jesus. If you're not serving people, you don't love Jesus. I don't think that's the tone of this scripture here. I think what he's saying is this. It's kind of a reminder for us to have the love of God in us so that our motivation and response to the needs around us is correct. Kind of a check here. Say, well, if you see people in need and you don't have pity on them, how can the love of God be? And it's a reminder that when I love like God loves, I see like God sees. When the love of God is in me, when I'm close to him, then his love becomes my love. I become like him in how I see other people. So selfishness and not seeing what's going on around us, honestly, it points back to a relationship with God that's out of balance. Because if we were close to him, we would love like he loved. See, you can't make yourself love like God loves. That's something that happens from the inside out as he's working inside of you through your relationship with him. It's not an act of discipline. It's a byproduct and a fruit of your relationship with Jesus. And when you capture his heart and you see it like he sees it, you see it just like Jesus saw it when he was on this earth. Jesus is a guy that was reaching out to the woman at the well. Jesus is a guy that was touching the untouchables. He was praying with people that you shouldn't be praying with to serve them. He prayed with lepers and healed them to serve them. He reached out to Samaritans that you're not supposed to go near if you were a Jew and serve them. Why? To create a platform for the gospel and to set an example for us. To set an example for us. And really, if you look at at the life of Jesus, it's real apparent that what he did was he operated as a servant it says, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Actions. Everybody say actions. actions. Not action, singular. A one time. Hey, you remember that time we all got together and we did that one nice thing for somebody? Actions. Continual. Like this, there's always something in the hopper ready to pop out. Boom, 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 boom. Actions, repetitive, like there's a plan for it. Like there's a system for it. We're continually doing it. Why? Because when we serve others, we're creating a platform for the gospel. And we're called as believers to reach this world for Jesus. And if we're reaching him consistently, we're going to be serving consistently. Not just with what we say, but with actions actions consistently in our life and here's a strategy for you here's a strategy for you and if you see the life of Jesus when you look at it you're going to see him doing this see a need 
meet the need, and plant a seed. See a need, meet the need, and plant a seed. That statement just about sums up everything that Jesus did. And it sums up what he's calling us to do. So when we started this series, we talked about the heart of it. And that evangelism and reaching others isn't something that we just force ourselves to do. It flows out of our relationship with God. And when we love like God loves, we'll see like God sees. Then we talked about us sharing our story and how our testimony is probably the most powerful tool we have to reach people for Jesus because it puts the gospel on a personal level. You're not talking about some abstract God. You're talking about a Jesus that did something personal in your life. And that if they'll let him, he'll do the same thing in theirs. Today we're talking about how servanthood can create a platform for that gospel. For us to share that story and point people to Jesus. This is why we do what we do at our church. This is why we serve our community so much. This is why we do so many outreaches. This is why we partner with so many ministries out of Eastgate because we want to serve those around us so that we can lift up the name of Jesus and create a platform for the gospel. Because saying God loves you is one thing, but when I show you the love of God in action, it's something completely different. And it opens up the door for us to reach people that couldn't be reached any other way. That's why we do the prayer outreach on social media. That's why we're going to do a back-to-school outreach and meet a need and give book bags and supplies to, to kids and create a, a fun environment for them while we're doing it to give away haircuts and hopefully free shoes to all the kids going back to school. We're meeting a need so that we can plant a seed create a platform for the gospel. That's why we're going to launch a food outreach out of the church, which is probably going to become very handy here as the months develop. Um, I don't know if you've noticed all the prices going up. Yeah, it's going to be a great need that needs to be met, and we're going to meet that need and create a platform for the gospel. Serving others creates a platform for the gospel. But that's church. That's what PRC Medical is doing. The larger question is, what are we doing actively as individuals to serve others with our actions to create a platform for Jesus with those that we see? You guys work with a lot of people. Working with somebody that's having trouble with their car. If you know how to work on vehicles, there's an opportunity to step in and serve. You see the need, you meet the need, and you're able to plant a seed. Why are you doing this, man? Just wanted to show you that God loves you. That's crazy. Nobody's ever done anything like that for me before. Well, now you know. People going through trouble with their marriages, you know what? I'm not a counselor, and I hate that you're going through it, but maybe instead of me listening to, to you talk about how horrible your spouse is for the next 20 minutes, can I just pray for you? There's a need. Now I'm meeting it, and I'm planting a seed. There's so many ways to serve other people. You can cut grass. You can wash a car. 
What would your neighbor do if they woke up and saw you out there cutting their grass next weekend? I guarantee you they'd want to talk to you at some point. See a need, meet a need, plant a seed. Jesus knew. Because it goes counterculture to the world that we live in. And it's something so easy. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it. I can do it. You can do it. Probably there are needs all around us that if we'll just hit pause, say, God, I want to begin to reach people like you've called me to reach them. You've already given me the tools to do it. I don't have to have a degree. I don't have to be apologetically bulletproof and have all the answers to all the questions. But I can love people like you do. And I can serve them and meet a need. And I can create an opportunity for me to tell my story to them and point them to you. Now that, 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 if we do that, that becomes a church that's relevant. That becomes a church that's real. That becomes a church that's meeting needs in a practical way. That becomes the gospel in real life. That becomes you and me reflecting the example that Jesus set for us. By calling us to be servants. By going counterculture and not being so caught up with our lives that we forget that we're here for a purpose. And it's more than sitting in a chair on a Sunday morning. It's reaching those around us with the gospel of Jesus. It's doing the dishes. It's vacuuming the floor. Showing up to serve at outreaches. It's finding a way to serve. To open up the door for a conversation. To give people Jesus. Now I don't know about you, but I can do that. I can do that. I don't have to quote scripture. I can fix a leaking pipe. Why do you do that? To show you that God loves you. What? Yeah. I thought all you church people were stuck up snobs. Not all of us. I thought all you church people were hypocrites. Yeah, probably. But so is everybody at Walmart. So is everybody at Longhorn. So is everybody at the Braves game. How do they get rid of Freddie Freeman? What in the world is going on in this world? It's just, you know what I mean? It, nobody's perfect, but we serve a perfect Savior. And I think it's beautiful that he's chosen flawed vessels to carry the most precious message of all time. That God loved us. That he sent his son to die for us. To pay the price for all of our sins. So that we could have a restored relationship with him. And when it's all said and done, we get to rule and reign with Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And ever. Most beautiful story ever. That we get to tell. <laughs> Just because we love people like he does. And we serve people like he did. And tell people our story. And point people to the Jesus that's changed our lives. That is a beautiful way to reach people. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet as we close this morning. God has done so much for us. I don't know about you. But when I think about serving others to point people to Jesus. It gets me excited because I start thinking about the Jesus 
that's made the difference in my life. I'm going to pray over you for a second. Now I want you to think, who are those around you? Who are those around you that have a need that you could easily meet? See the need, meet the need, plant the seed, point people to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we all come before you today. Lord, we thank you so much for what you've done in our lives. God, we thank you so much for who you are. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every person here takes an honest assessment of their heart and answers the question if we're seeing people the way that you see them. Do we see the needs around us? Or are we caught up in what's happening in our lives and in the world and losing sight of the mission that you've given us? God, bring to our minds right now those that are in need around us. Lord, give us the strategy to meet those needs in a practical way, to point people to you. You've called us to be a church that's relevant, but more than that, you've called us to be individuals that are relevantly reaching others in a practical way for you. Point people to you, Jesus. It's what it's all about. Lord, change our hearts if we need to change. Open our eyes and let us see those around us. Lord, give us the courage to not just see the need, but to meet the need and point people to you. In your name, amen, amen. Amen. All across the place, let's just lift up our hands and let's begin to worship God. Maybe today some of you, you need to draw back in close to him because you kind of drifted this week or over the last couple of weeks. And you need to be reminded of the love that he has for you. I'm going to have the band lead us in a song as we close out today. Just so we can leave having been in the presence of God. Hands up, hearts open. Forget about the person next to you for the next few moments. Let's just let God pour into us so that we can go out of these doors and pour out to others.